Welcome to the podcast of Grace Crossing Church, where life and faith intersect. Good morning. Hey, how about those colors out there? Isn't it just fantastic? Um, I just love the fall weather, love the fall colors, the burst of all the oranges and yellows and reds out there. I know it's not, I mean, it doesn't seem as like, um, I don't know, glowing colors or a little like uh, diluted colors, but I even like that. My wife and I were talking about that. I don't know if that has to do with the, the rain or the heat or the what, but I just love this time of year. Well, my name is Pastor Life Anderson. I'm the executive pastor here, and it's so good to have you. Um, and we're continuing on our series, Living on a Prayer. No more station breaks like we had last week, although that was an awesome time. In this series, we're basically following along with this, the disciples and asking Jesus, teach us how to pray. And we're moving through Matthew 6, the Lord's Prayer, looking at different aspects about prayer, asking, how do I pray? What do I pray about? This has been a tremendous series. And this, uh, this morning, we got something fun for you. Uh, growing up, my dad used to love to take my twin brother and I to professional wrestling. We got any professional wrestling fans out there? One of my favorite matches was the tag team match. So this morning, Pastor Gill and I are going to do a little tag team teaching. Okay, I'm not going to not going to throw him around or anything like that, but I might might put a headlock on him as he comes up here or something, but at any rate, we're going to do a little tag team teaching. We're going to talk about God's provision, give us this day our daily bread, and then talk about God's forgiveness um, as well. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. So let's get started with God's provision. Regarding God's provision, God as our Father, or even as I shared, Papa, Daddy, He wants to be, He wants us to be humbly dependent, just like one of our values that's in our values, humbly dependent on him for all of our needs. That is why Jesus asks us to pray in Matthew 6, 11, right here, as I shared, give us this day our daily bread. It's so easy just to go over this. I know all of you got this memorized, but what does this mean? I want to break it down for us this morning. The first, give. Think humility. God is the giver, and we are the receiver. He wants us to come to him in a humble, in a humble position to ask, I need you. It's a posture of hands out and hearts wide open to him. The struggle area with the give for those of us, that's hard to ask for things. We would rather give to other people. We need to ask God to humble ourselves because that's pride. Pride keeps us from asking God for things and even other people for things. So give, think humility. Next one, us. Think we, not me. It's interesting in the Lord's Prayer, it doesn't say, give me my daily bread, but it says, give us. Here, Jesus is reminding us that we're a son, we're a daughter, we're part of God's family, we're part of a community. 
You know, when we were, as a family, when we were over in Kazakhstan, one thing that stuck out to me was that in the Eastern world, they think automatically we as a country. So, for instance, uh, Kazakhstan was a Muslim country. They just thought, we're Muslim, and the United States is Christian. They didn't have in their mindset, like, all the different religions and stuff like that. They just thought of a we. I think here in the Western world, we think me a lot. There's a lot of independence. There's a lot of working hard, and I think we forget that. And I, I love that Jesus brings this aspect of we into this prayer. We are not alone as an orphan in this family. We've got brothers and sisters. And when we ask, we receive. And it's not just for us, but it's for others in our family as well. For instance, if we have a need, let's pray, Papa, give us whatever that need is. If he provides Let's pray, Papa, thank you. Remember to thank him for the things that you've been praying for. If he provides, and this happens a lot in our country, if he provides with abundance, we've got a lot of abundance here in the U.S. Pray, Papa, who would you like me to share this blessing with in the family that you've placed me in? We are blessed, you guys, to be a blessing to others. He gives us the opportunity to be involved in his generosity. It's almost like um, as parents when we give our kids an allowance, you know. It's, it's all our money, and we give them a little money, and we hope that they use that well, and once in a while maybe they'll give us a little birthday gift or whatever. It's the same way it is with God. He's simply giving us an allowance, and he's saying, I want you to be involved in giving generously as I've generously given to you. We've done that with Imagine. It's one of the, the great aspects I love about the Imagine initiative. It's, it's teaching, teaching us generosity and how God is generously given so that we can extend that to some of the needs here at the church. So if you struggle in this area, ask God to help you to think we. The next aspect is this day or today. Think daily. God wants us to ask him and to thank him daily for our needs that we bring to him. He is our source. It's almost like for a, a baby, the true source of a baby of all the nutrients is the umbilical cord to the mom. Everything comes from that umbilical cord. That's how God is. God gives us everything, everything. He's our source. Everything comes from him, everything that we have. Every day is a gift. Every gift is a blessing that he desires to give to meet our daily needs. So if you struggle here, ask God to help you focus on the concerns for today and not on the worries of tomorrow. It's interesting in uh, a couple translations, the New American Standard Bible and the New Living Translation, they also add this part to, to the verse in verse 6. It says, give us today, or excuse me, in verse 11, give us today our food for tomorrow. 
And I find that really interesting, especially around how God wants to provide for the Sabbath. Just like the Israelites got a double portion on Friday, so they had enough food for Sabbath. I want to encourage you, encourage all of us, to think about how God might want to provide double so that we can slow down, so that we can rest and reconnect with God during the Sabbath in our lives, because he desires that. And I know we've talked about that here at church. So stay alert in the ways that he wants to maybe provide a double portion coming around the Sabbath. The next aspect is daily bread. With daily bread, think basics. Daily bread is referring to life essentials, basic daily needs. The focus could be just the essential needs of food, water, clothes, or love. But what Jesus is getting here is just having enough. And again, in our country, we're so blessed, and we have so much. But I think this verse in Proverbs 30, 7 to 9, is getting at what Jesus is saying. Let's take a look at that. Oh, God, I beg you two favors from you before I die. First, help me never to tell a lie. Second, give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me just enough. That's what I want to focus on, just enough to satisfy my needs. And why? For if I grow rich, I may deny you and say, who is the Lord? And if I am too poor, I may steal and thus insult God's holy name. Just enough. God wants us to have just enough. The struggle here for us might be, I don't have enough. And the prayer would be, ask God to help you grow in asking and trusting him for what you need. Another struggle is I, I, I've got more than enough. So there, ask God to help you grow in your giving. And then I think a lot of us are in this struggle area. Confused with wants and needs, overextended on wants, and not much left for, for one's needs. This one for all of us, ask God to help you grow in contentment and what he really wants for you. We've got a lot of room for us to grow in this area of humble dependence for our needs. Remember, he comes humbly and gently to help all of us grow in this area of prayer. And I want to encourage you to extend yourself the same grace if the Holy Spirit pricked your heart in one of these areas. Allow yourself the same grace as he wants to grow you in this area. You know, another meaning for daily bread is, is the essential part of our daily needs is, is really Jesus himself. And we just sang about that. There's nothing else, nothing else that we need than Jesus. John 6, 35 reveals this when Jesus says this. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. Jesus ultimately is our bread. Jesus ultimately wants to provide for all our needs. It's, it's our relationship with him. 
It's what he did on the cross with his death and resurrection that he desires to provide abundantly for us. He doesn't want us to forget this. And one of the ways that he's given to us to remember him as our daily bread is communion. He wants us to remember and reflect not only with our heads, but in communion we get to hold a cup in the bread. We get to taste. He wants to bring all our senses in to help us to realize he is ultimately all that we need. He wants us to come to him daily for the needs that we have in our lives. Ask yourselves, are you aware of your need for him day to day in your life? Are you mindful for how he wants to provide for you daily? I want to move to this next aspect of the, the Lord's Prayer from the vantage point of the Lord's Table, or what is historically known as the Last Supper. So as Jesus approaches the table, there are several things that he was fully and completely aware of. Jesus was fully aware that one of the men around that table was going to betray him. Somebody was going to, on an inside job, turn him over. He was fully aware as he came to the table that there was another one, perhaps his closest companion, that was going to deny ever even knowing him at all. And Jesus was also fully aware that all of the other ten, in his darkest hour, were going to desert him. They were going to run and hide. And when Jesus needed companionship the most, they would be nowhere to be found. So Jesus comes to this table. He wraps himself in a servant's towel. He picks up a basin filled with water. And before they share the meal, he washes the feet of every single one of those who were going to desert him. I want you to keep this in mind as we move now to the next phase of the Lord's Prayer and the next way that Jesus wants us to understand prayer. He wanted us to understand prayer as forgiveness. He said, that which I have done for you, I have done as an example that you should do it. Matthew chapter 6, verse number 12. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. There were some things that Jesus was aware of when it comes to prayer that we either miss or we dismiss. Jesus was fully aware that prayer was all about relationship. Notice, as Pastor Life has said, notice the hours and the us's. In the Lord's Prayer. He understood that prayer was first and foremost about relationship with God, relationship with ourselves, and relationship with others. He also knew that if you were going to have relationship, you were going to have to learn to practice forgiveness. 
because it is impossible to have healthy relationship without forgiveness. You know because you've tried. And you recognize that trying to have relationship without forgiveness is impossible. Jesus also knew it, which is why he told us to pray about it. We need to pray about this one. Jesus also knew something else about prayer. He knew that prayer was hard work. And specifically, that the hard work of prayer was forgiveness. This was something that we would not be able to do in our own strength and in our own power. He recognized that we needed his presence, his spirit within us, flowing through us. That, that we are going to pray, give us, but we are also going to pray for, give us. And I want you to notice what Jesus here says and what Jesus doesn't say. Jesus says, forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. He does not say, forgive us our debts and we will forgive our debtors. A quid pro quo of sorts with God. That's not what he, that's not what he tells us to pray. He does not say, I want you to come and say, God, forgive me so that you will enable me to forgive others. He doesn't say, come, ask me to forgive you, and then go out and forgive others. He said, I want you to come to me and approach me and ask me for the very same thing that you've already offered to others. Pray, Father, forgive me, as I have also forgiven those who are indebted to me. Now, we know that that feels impossible. We know that feels difficult. And Jesus actually makes this very clear that it is in our own strength. So everything Jesus says here in the Lord's Prayer, as prayer is forgiveness, hinges on two primary words, the word debt or indebted and the word forgiveness. So let's talk about indebtedness. Let's talk about Forgiveness. This word that appears here is actually a word that appears only two times in the entire New Testament, the word debt. It actually comes from a first century legal term that meant that you were, it was something that was legally owed and now has become due. So when you read the Lord's Prayer or think about the Lord's Prayer, that word debt is the most accurate and appropriate word to place there. He's talking about something that we owe or something that is owed to us. And the emphasis that Jesus is making very clear is this, that we come with both. We come with a debt owed to us and we come with a debt we owe when we come to the Lord in prayer. He's not referring to debt in a monetary sense. He's referring to debt in a moral sense. Forgive us our debts. That word forgive is also a legal term. And that word literally means to disregard or to release someone from obligation. 
So what Jesus is fully aware of here is that when we approach him in prayer, we have some things that we are carrying with us that need to be repaid. He also knows that we're carrying some things with us that need to be repaid to us. So here's what I want you to do for just a moment. I want you to think of two things. The first thing I want you to think of as we move further into this part of the Lord's Prayer is I want you to think, first of all, of something that you need God to forgive you of. I want you to think of something for which you need God's forgiveness. Now, for some of us here, it's not going to take us very long. We've already got something in mind. Finding one is not very difficult. (laughs) Now, I secondly want you to think of this. I want you to think of someone that you're finding it difficult to forgive. Jesus prayed this on the cross. He said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. That is not as difficult in some ways to pray as it is, Father, forgive them, because they know exactly what they are doing. That level of forgiveness is also expected by we who are following Christ. What Jesus wants us to understand is we come to him in prayer with needs and with indebtedness that we need to ask him to forgive. But we also come with people owing us something. And what we tend to want to do is we tend to want God to release us of our obligation, but we don't want to release others of theirs. We want to hold on to those. Which is why Jesus tells us, I want you to forgive to the same degree and in the same measure that I have forgiven you. And the question is, how did Jesus forgive us? Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. When you were dead in your sins, when you were dead in your sins, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. That is profound. That is how Jesus has forgiven us. So when you think of forgiveness, here's what you need to think of. Forgiveness is the cancellation of a debt that is rightly owed but can never fully be repaid. Let me say it again. Forgiveness is the cancellation of a debt that is rightly owed but can never be fully repaid. Any of you here remember the old song, He Paid a Debt? I'm I'm going to age some of you right now. Anybody remember this song? Okay, just a few of you are willing to admit it. Thank you for that. Okay, I want you to hear the words of the first stanza. Don't worry, I'm not going to sing it. Okay, I'm not going to sing it. He paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins 
away. And now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace. Christ Jesus paid a debt that I could never pay. It is only Jesus who could fully release us of our obligation and our moral indebtedness. It's only Jesus that could then in turn look at us and say, now I want you to forgive other people the way that I have forgiven you. That's why Paul goes on to say this in Colossians chapter 3. I want you to notice the imagery here. Verses 12 and 13. Therefore, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, listen to it, clothe yourselves. What's the imagery Paul's thinking of there? He's thinking of Jesus at the Lord's table. He's he's thinking of the Passover meal when Jesus girds himself knowing exactly who is at the table who are fully indebted to him, but they can never repay him. Only he can release them from their obligation. He said, now therefore, because God loves you, you are God's holy and dearly loved children. You are his sons and daughters. Clothe yourselves, gird yourselves with compassion Kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance, holding a grudge against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Those words are almost a repeat of what Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven. Notice the tenses. They matter. The word forgive is in the present tense. Forgive us our debts. But the word forgiven, that's in the past tense. That means something that's already been done. Now, Jesus wanted to illustrate just how serious he was about this matter of forgiveness. And so he responds to a question that Peter asks him one day. His response to this question is absolutely remarkable. It's striking. It's, it's humbling. Here's the question Peter asks him. Uh, Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 and 22. Peter approached Jesus and said to him, how many times do I have to forgive my fellow believer who keeps offending me? Seven times? Jesus answered, not seven times, Peter, but 70 times seven times. In Judaism, the number seven was the number of perfection. It was used, it's actually used in Scripture as a number that speaks of perfection or wholeness. So in essence, here's what Peter is asking Jesus. Peter is saying, if I forgive someone for the same offense in the same single day, seven times, will that not make me religiously perfect in God's eyes? Like, will I not be God's poster child for forgiveness? Like, put me on a banner somewhere, right? That's what he's saying. He's saying, if I do this seven times, Jesus, I'm going way above and beyond what's expected. Wouldn't you agree? I'd be perfect. And then this is how Jesus responds. He said, no, Peter. 
not seven times. You, you need to forgive 70 times, seven times, 490 times for the same offense. And what's suggested in the scripture here is in a single day, 490 times. Let me just do some simple math for you. That would mean that you would be forgiving the same person for the same offense every 2.9 minutes. Now, let me just take out time for sleeping. Eight hours, right? You gotta sleep. So if you were to take out the hours you're sleeping, what Jesus here is suggesting is that you will have to forgive every 1.95 minutes to actually accomplish what God would expect. You say that's impossible, and I say that's right, and that's exactly Jesus' point. You can't do it without him. That's why he says pray about this area. Bring it to me because forgiveness is not something you will do without my help. But make no mistake about it. Make no mistake about it. This is a non-negotiable for Jesus. It goes part and parcel with our own forgiveness. So here's how Jesus responds to Peter's question. And I just want to read the entirety because this story he tells speaks for itself. I'll make a few final observations, and then we'll close. Here's what he says, beginning at verse 23. The lessons of forgiveness in heaven's kingdom realm can be illustrated like this. There once was a king who had servants who had borrowed money from the royal treasury. He decided to settle accounts with with each of them. As he began the process, it came to his attention that one of his servants owed him $1 billion. So he summoned the servant before him and he said to him, pay me what you owe me. When his servant was unable to repay his debt, the king ordered that he be sold as a slave along with his wife and children and every possession they owned as payment toward his debt. The servant threw himself face down at his master's feet and he begged for mercy. Please be patient with me. Just give me more time and I'll repay you what I owe you. Upon hearing the pleas, the king had compassion on his servant and released him, and notice what he does, and forgave his entire debt. That's not what the servant was asking for. He was asking for time. Let me work harder. Uh, Let me see if I can figure this thing out and strategize a way to get you paid back. Just buy me some time. King in his grace and mercy says, I'm not even going to make you buy time. I'm just going to release you of your obligation. Your debt's canceled. That's what it's like when we come to God through Jesus Christ. This is what he does for us. But the story doesn't end there. Verse 28. No sooner had the servant left when he met one of his fellow servants who owed him $20,000. Now, contrast this. A billion, 20000 He seized him by the throat and began to choke him, saying, you'd better pay me right now everything that you owe me. His fellow servant threw himself face down at his feet and begged, please, be patient with me. 
If you get, just give me time, I will repay you all that is owed. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound vaguely familiar? But the one who had his debt forgiven stubbornly refused to forgive what was owed him. He had his fellow servant thrown into prison and demanded that he remain there until he repaid the debt in full. This is where the story takes a very interesting twist. Verse number 31. When his associates saw what was going on, they were outraged, went to the king and told him the whole story. The king said to him, you scoundrel, is this the way that you respond to my mercy? Because you begged me, I forgave you the massive debt that you owed me. You didn't, why didn't you show the same mercy to your fellow servant that I showed to you? In a fury of anger, the king turned him over to the prison guards to be tortured until all of his debt was repaid. In the same way, here it is, in the same way my heavenly father will deal with any of you if you do not release forgiveness from your heart toward your fellow believer. So instead of focusing here on the negative consequences of unforgiveness, and they're here in the text, let me just spin it in a positive way and tell you the benefits of forgiveness. I think what this story accentuates for us are three incredible benefits. One is I think that forgiveness places you in God's pleasure. In other words, when you walk in forgiveness, you bring pleasure to God. And God in turn is, finds pleasure in you. Secondly, Forgiveness brings God's favor on our lives. It brings God's favor. And the final thing forgiveness does, which is so important in our text, is forgiveness actually releases us of inner torture and imprisonment. You know the person who finds themselves most imprisoned? In unforgiveness, it's not the person that's not forgiven. It's the person who withholds and will not release that person. And so as we close, let's go back to those two things I asked you to think about. What is that something that you need God to forgive you for today? And who is the someone that you're finding it really difficult. You may even feel it's impossible. You say, Pastor, if you have any idea what they did to me, you'd understand why it's just so hard, why I just simply can't forgive them. And that's why Jesus said, pray about it. Bring it to me. Pray, forgive me my debts as I have forgiven those who are indebted to me. With those two things in mind, I'm going to invite you to stand with me this morning. I like to think of forgiveness as God's preemptive grace. It's what he offers to us, not because we deserve it 
And not because we're owed it, but because it's just out of the heart of his kindness and love. And so forgiveness is something that actually God first does within us, and then he does through us. He actually forgives and helps us to do what he did for us. And we need God's help, his grace. We need his spirit within us to help us to do that. And so this morning, if you just bow your head and close your eyes, I'm going to ask you to to hold before you and before God in his presence that thing that you need forgiven for. What is that thing that you need God to forgive you for today? And then who is the person? Maybe you see their face and you're thinking, I can't even stand to look at that person. But that's the very person who God by his spirit wants to enable you to release, to no longer hold in bondage, to no longer obligate them to anything, but to free them. So, Father, we want to be free this morning. We want to be free from imprisonment. We want to be free from torture. And we know, God, that in unforgiveness, we are the ones who pay the greatest price. Not just because we feel the, the turmoil within, but because we place ourselves in a position before you where our prayers become hollow and empty and shallow. You call us to walk in a posture of forgiveness. That forgiveness is not just a prayer, but it is a posture by which we walk and live out our faith. And so I pray that you would help us this morning to trust you deeper, both that you will give us this day our daily bread and that you will forgive us our sins, our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. Thank you, God, that our sins and our transgressions have been fully forgiven by you through through your death on the cross. And Lord, we just pray that you'll help us to continue living our lives and walking in a posture of obedience to you, of surrender to you. That we would offer the same forgiveness to the same degree and in the same measure by which we have been forgiven by you. Thank you, God, for your love. Thank you for your grace. We yield ourselves to you and we pray that your forgiveness will continue to work within us as it continues to work through us. We pray all these things in Christ's name and for his glory. Amen. Amen. Go in God's blessing and peace and disfavor today. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Grace Crossing Church, including service times and directions, check us out on the web at www.gracecrossingchurch.net. We hope to see you at one of our upcoming weekend worship gatherings. Have a great day.